Welcome back to the SBK betting podcast, endeavouring to give you week after week some superb insight and most importantly, some essential tips for the best betting races of the weekend. Last week, our good friend James Millman delivered the goods and provided us with a 10 to 1 winner of the Paddy Power Gold Cup in the shape of Midnight Shadow. So good was his tipping, he's decided to give himself a week's holiday. So we hope he's sunning himself somewhere suitably luxurious with his newfound fortunes. I think it is Wincanton that he's at today. So good for him, trying to scout out some more future winners. So today we have the return of Tom Collins in his place. So welcome back, Tom, to the podcast. You've been a big feature of the podcast during the flat season. It's great to have you on board for a jumps meeting. Hi, Jess. Yeah, hopefully we can get a few winners on the jumps. It feels like I'm still in flat mode. Um, I know it's November already, midway through November as well. So I need to get into jumps mode, get a few winners on the board. I was at Cheltenham last week. Um, that kind of warmed me up for jumps racing. Brilliant. Yeah, Cheltenham has got a good way of doing that. And let's hope um, it can continue into this weekend. And of course, Ross, we called you the wild Ross Miller last week. And so disappointing, Ross, that the majority of your fascinating tips were late non-runners. So we hope you have a few more tricks up your sleeve for this week's edition. Uh, med- medication adjusted <laughs> and uh, back to normal this week, hopefully. Oh, we don't want to hear that. We love the wild. We love the wild and the wacky. Um, and actually, talking of which... This weekend, um, we're going to get stuck into some racing um, at Ascot. And when I was looking through the first race that we're going to look through the, the 205 at Ascot on Saturday, the Chanel Farm and 1695 Chase over two mile fur, five furlongs. There are plenty of wild and wacky sorts in this race, some quirky horses. And we've seen some, some quirky races recently, not least at Cheltenham last week. But this lot, Dashel Drasher, by far the easiest of horses to ride. Deffy de Soil, so who has just had a bit of a shocking run of things, lost in translation, and Master Tommy Tucker, he's been a few sandwiches short of a picnic basket in the past as well. But they line up for this race. Dashiell Drasher, who's got a fantastic record at Ascot, is the 5-2 favourite with SBK, lost in translation 7-2 with Deffy Desoy, who definitely got some questions to answer, and Master Tommy Tucker 9-2, and it's completed with 17-2 Benny's King and 13-1 pistol whipped ross i'll come to you first because look there's a lot of talk about the return of dashel drasher matt griffiths his long-term partner he is currently recovering from a horrific car accident um we send our best wishes to him this horse will have rex dingle on board and you know it's a it's a funny one he's obviously a, not the easiest of horses to ride rex dingle will have a bit of a a bit of a task at hand with him and on paper, he is the horse, obviously, to beat based on his record at Ascot. But would it might be slightly difficult and different with a new rider, new rider on board? What, what are your assessments of, of this horse looking at this race? I completely agree with what you said. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Matt Griffiths got the plaudits he deserved last year to a degree. But I think if it was a bigger name jockey, we would have talked about it an awful lot more. I thought his rides on Dash or Drash around Ascot last year were nothing short of perfect, really. I mean, he crossed the line as the petrol gauge hit empty and to time it that well on ground that there was pretty desperate at the time, I think takes an awful lot of knowing uh, the horse you sat on. And Rex Dingle is a perfectly capable jockey, but he simply doesn't have the the back catalogue of rides on this horse to, to truly judge. Because at every point in the race with Dash or Drasher, you think he's emptying and he finds a bit more. 
you know, if you're Matt Griffiths, you perhaps know that feeling and you've got your conviction in mind to keep pressing when perhaps other jockeys might be feeling they need to fill them up. And I think that's going to be the difficulty for, for Rex Dingle, as is going to be riding this horse on quicker ground than it's encountered for a, for a good while. He does have form on good ground back over hurdles, but that was way back at Cheltenham um, two or three years ago. So I don't think they're afraid of good ground. I think his best form comes on soft and heavy. And I think with, with, with Rex Dingle having his first spin on him over fences, I think it makes him opposable, albeit he's got the most consistent form of, of the horses in this. Not, not that that says a huge amount because the rest of them do have a fairly checkered, uh, checkered back catalogue. Um, Lost in Translation is on the back now of his third wind up uh, in his life, his second in 12 months. I mean, he's a high-class horse, and I and I hope he shows something like his best because it would add to the chasing picture going forward. But two and a half miles round here, on quick ground, on the back of that dismal season last season, uh, he couldn't be for me. Master Tommy Tucker, it'll probably come as no surprise. I, I'm not a big fan of the horse. I think he's a liability over a fence, and I know he's improving, but for me, he's improved when he's had a flat track. Um, and I just wouldn't fancy being the man sat on board going down the back at Ascot uh, in a race with plenty of pace. So for me, undulating track knocks knocks him out, which meant I landed on another one with a dismal year last year, uh, Deffy de Soy, another with a wind up. Um, but I watched his run back, his last run at Ascot. And although he finished fifth, which is is disappointing, he didn't run all that bad. And that was the race where... David Bass just went for it on uh, first flow, took Politolog on down the back. So Deffy Desoy, Richard Johnson on, had to come from a fair way back. I'm not sure Deffy Desoy is in love with Richard Johnson as, as much as he was Barry Geraghty. I think they're two different styles. And I think his jumping certainly was more slick when Barry Geraghty rode him. Tom O'Brien now takes over. Um, he's had the wind up. Like I said, that run at Ascot wasn't all that bad. He had to come from a long way back. And then if it was a wind issue, you could understand why he didn't find much in the last furlong. They've often talked of him wanting further. He's a triumph winner. And we always talk about triumph winners eventually needing a trip. So actually, I came down fairly convincingly uh, in the Deffy de Soy camp. Yeah, fascinating horse. And obviously, we've seen uh, uh, the Philip Hobbs yard doing a bit of a miracle with Sporting John last week as well. In the same sort of vein, a horse coming back off a sort of a season that was ultimately disappointing an interesting case for Deffy Desoy I can see that I just thought that this race how it's going to pan out how it's going to work out especially Dashiell Drasher knowing that he run, runs one way and that's setting off and trying to make cool that's what Master Tommy Tucker couldn't do when the last time they met when Harry Cobden's on board Sam Tristan Davis on board on Saturday it could be over by the shouting as they get get going in Dashiell Drasher. If Rex Dingle can can do what Matt Grissus does and control it from the front, that's where I, I'm sort of trying to work out how the rest fit into this. Tom, how did you solve this? Because it's a an unusual race with horses that are not the most straightforward. Yeah, I was looking at this race for a long time, Jess. It's really intriguing. Um, there's obviously plenty of top class horses in here. Three of these runners. Have won at grade one level. Master Tommy Tucker's won at grade two. Um, and obviously, Dashiell Drasher is the form play in the race. I'm very much in the same camp as Ross, though. I'm with uh, Deffy Desoy here. Now, Philip Hobbs's team last year just had a terrible season. I don't know what was wrong in, in camp, but 
maybe it was a bit of illness, maybe the horses just weren't performing. But Hobbs really wasn't um, winning at the same rate as he usually would. And Defi Desoy's performances can be put down to that, I think. He, he ran badly, considering he's a seven-time grade one winner. But at the same time, he shaped okay on a few occasions. And I think if he can bounce back, like most of Philip Hobbs' horses have done so far this year, then he has every chance of winning this race. I like the fact that Tom O'Brien's taken over. I'm a big fan of Dickie Johnson, but I don't think he was as good over fences as he was over hurdles, saying that obviously he's a, he's a fantastic, was a fantastic jockey. Um, I like the booking of Tom O'Brien. Defi Soy is a horse with loads of ability. And if he can get back to that Clarence House chase victory in 2020, then I think he's going to take a lot of beating in here. I think if he can sit in behind the pace as well, it's going to be crucial. Now, Dashwood Drasher tends to jump out to his left, especially at Ascot. Master Tommy Tucker, well, God knows what he's going to do over his fences, probably make a mistake every single one. Um, but he'll probably be alongside Dashwood Drasher. And then if Defi Desoy can sit along, um, just in behind against the rail, I think he's got a great chance to scoot up the rail when Dashwood Drasher jumps left in the straight and hopefully take the race. Yeah, look, I think it's it's a sort of a process of elimination of this race, essentially, and looking at Dashwood Drasher's form as well. It's nothing overly to get overexcited about. We are assuming uh, there's sort of a few assumptions that Matt Griffiths just worked the oracle with that horse. Uh, look, guys, I'm, I'm exactly the same as you. It's a tricky one to work out. Defi Desoy, you both like him at 72. I'm going to take you both on with Dashwood Drasher. I think he's still the class classier horse in the race and I think five to two if you can get it right now um, would be good value for a horse that essentially is is unbeaten at Ascot and doesn't have as many question marks as this horse bar what Ross believes might not be as strong a jockey combination as as, uh, as as he's had in the past so let's see how this race pans out it's a very interesting one for us to get our teeth into first um, Asuka has got another uh, grade, graded event on the card in the shape of the 240, which is the Coral Hurdle over two miles, three and a half furlongs, which sees um, the return of the Cesarich winner Buzz. He's even money at, at present with SBK. Goshen, who was unable to run at Wincanton because of good ground, is four to one. Six to one, Molly Ollie's Wishes, who had a very impressive comeback run for the Skelton team. Song for someone, seven to one won this race last year and guard your dreams for the Twist and Davis team who are just banging out the winners every Saturday is 11 to 1. So um, this is a race that I think has got, even though there are only five runners, is more strength than the race last year, Ross, than the, the race that Song for Someone won. Um, he is probably the horse that is likely to prefer if it is good ground, that he's the one that's got form on it. Even money about buzz. What do you think? I think you can mark it down as a, a race of two, uh, of a group of horses, two different criteria. You've got Goshen and Song for someone where we, we pretty much know what they're going to do uh, with the caveat that one of them is Goshen, but we know what they're sort of capable of. And then you've got the improvers, Molly's Ollie's Wishes, uh, Buzz, uh, who have huge potential and look like they're capable of improving on what they've done already. Um, Song for Someone is a horse I've got a huge, huge soft spot for. I used to train my point to pointers up Tom Simmons gallop. So I've, I've seen him in the flesh. I used to get to see him school occasionally. And he was a hugely exciting horse when he came into the yard as a juvenile. So I'm always loath to go against him. But I do think this is a, a better uh, renewal of this. And he has got to concede the weight 
uh, to Molly's, Ollie's wishes and, uh, and Buzz. Um, Buzz clearly is a horse on the upgrade. His Cesarewitch win shows that he stays very well. Um, he flew home at Aintree uh, at the end of last season, where the, the, the in-commentary running has mentioned that he was hampered once. To, to my eye, he was hampered more than once, and he certainly was distracted by the loose horse that was coming across him. And once he got past the loose horse, his final half furlong was was really impressive. And he's very well favoured by the weights. Gets six pounds from Gosh and six pounds from Song for Someone. On official ratings, I think he's got a great chance. That said, I cannot get away from the fact that the Moore team seem so intent on running Goshen. They left it to the last minute at Wincand before they pulled him. As I said on the podcast at the time, I was surprised he was declared even. Um, they seem really keen to get him out and get him running. Now, whether that's that he's showing them something at home they want to deliver on the track, or whether it's they want to try him over hurdles with a view to, to trying fences if it doesn't work out, I don't know. But I, I sort of took the view that he's down to a marker 157. I think that underestimates what he's capable of. Maybe first time out is the time to get him. Hopefully the ground won't be too lively and the extra few furlongs will, will suit him. He was a mile six stayer on the flat. Um, I thought at the price of four to one with SBK, I thought that was the value play, albeit I do respect uh, the, the improvement that Buzz potentially has. Yeah, it's interesting that Goshen, he obviously, when he ran on the flat in the summer of last year, the Moore team said that they were happy with it, even though it was slightly underwhelming that they sort of needed the run. And then he obviously had a mighty disappointing run at Cheltenham, which we've subsequently have been told, you know, he, that's not going to be the track that he runs at again. And then he went on and won at Wincanton on extremely heavy ground. It feel that he might just need a run and he's so so needing of a run that they have to get one in him because otherwise where's he going to go to there aren't many options there's a there's a international hurdle but that's at Cheltenham so the opportunities aren't that really there so it's a an, an interesting one so much respect for Goshen Massey he's a he's a freak animal when on his day Fr from your um, perspective Tom hearing what Ross has said about you know Goshen and, and what he can do um where do you think he lies and how do you view him now after what season he had last year? Yeah, well, now I can now see why you're uh, describing Ross as wild. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you must be a very trusting and loyal man, Ross, because uh, I can't weigh in with Goshen. Look, he, he performs very well in a couple of races. Obviously, the triumph where he unseated Jamie Moore at the last, famously, and in the Kingwell Hurdle last year when he smashed on for someone who clearly wasn't um, at his best that day beaten by 22 lengths. Now, since then, two disappointing displays. Prior to his triumph, he was pretty promising, but again, it was against weak opposition. I feel like I need to see a string of um, good performances from Goshen before I weigh in. I don't know what to expect from him. Maybe if he was a bigger price, then I'd be getting involved, um, but I can't trust him at those odds. To be fair, most of these horses I can't trust. One horse I can is Buzz, uh, which is interesting because I didn't trust him in the Cesarewitch <laughs> of a really nice mark. And I'm still gutted about that because I was with Burn and Victory, still not over it two months down the line. Um, but look, I, I'm with your horse, Jess. I, I think Buzz, Buzz is going to win this. Um, he's race fit after that run at Newmarket. Um, he's just by far the most solid option in the race. Now, I know he's a short price favourite, but I think he deserves to be. He, he gets weight, as Ross says. He's in form. Um, he's back over hurdles. I think he's an improver and he is the horse to beat. So it's Buzz for me. 
Yeah, he is even money, which is incredibly short. And when he for the for the Cesaro, which that was such a decent price, and he's I don't think he's last time he started up at even money was on the 20th of November 2020 when he won at Ascot that handicap that was the last race he won over hurdles and he essentially ruined his handicap mark and has been competing in these races um, of this quality um, ever since must say this is a fat finding mission for Buzz two mile three I'm pretty certain he stays he already proved that he could at, at Aintree when he as Ross said he stayed on really strongly as he did at Newmarket and all your time men and uh, everyone is saying how the time was very good in the, his last sectionals. So I am pretty sure that this is the minimum trip he needs and that if he stays it out well, the three miles is where he'll be moving up to. But as I said, fact-finding mission. And we just hope that it is not anything less than good to soft or anything better than good to soft as uh, it will just... It just blunts him. It blunts a lot of these horses. I don't think any any horse wants good ground at this time of the season, and the owners of Goshen have said the same. So um, I uh, probably will stay out of this in terms from a betting perspective, um, but I um, will keep your confidence, uh, Tom. All I can say is that Buzz has been very good form since his run in the Cesarewitch. So we will move on to Haydock, which is possibly the feature day in terms of uh, where the best racing is coming from. Um, it's always a, a quality card and also where we normally get the, the bog and the rain and the ground that we uh, so often associate it with and you get the real mud loving horses uh, in this at this meeting but I think it's good to soft there as well as it is Ascot the whole country hasn't had rain in weeks and months so that's what we've got but the most competitive race of the day is the stairs handicap hurdle 16 runners and uh, the Skelton team, again, another team that just keep flying, have had a brilliant um, last few weeks. It's Riggs is the five to one favorite with SBK in this race. Right place, right time for the very shrewd Emmett um, Mullins operation is 11 to two, Orbeez Legend, seven to one, Bass Rock, nine to one, Flight Deck, 10 to one, Stony Mountain, won this, won this race a couple of years ago, 11 to one, and it's 12 to one, bar those which includes if the cap fits Dr. Duffy and did they leave you out too. Ross, a race that we can really get our teeth into is a proper sort of punting race. Um, and I thought looking through this, not that many confirmed stayers, but definitely horses that are crying out for this distance. And that's what makes it quite exciting. Yeah. And, and that's actually the, 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 the two I landed on finally uh, cover both those descriptions. The one confirmed stayer in the field, or one of the confirmed stayers, is if the cap fits. And I took a good look at him and uh, and was very tempted. He's down to a mark now of 149, having been up in the 160s. Um, if you took the view that you could put a line right through last year by virtue of the fact that Harry Fry's yard had a, had a very poor season, um, he's of interest. But I watched the entry race back and he just didn't make for me enough inroads in the last half furlong uh, away from some fairly moderate performers. Um, and that steered me away from him. But it wouldn't be a big surprise to see him run a much better race, provided he doesn't sulk in a big handicap field. I've often had him marked as a slightly moody horse and this big handicap might not suit him. And the one I did come down on very much fits the crying out for further uh, is the Evan Williams trains Don Levant, um, 
who's finished like an absolute express train the last twice um, this season at Foss Lass in the Welsh champion hurdle, where I, I think it would be fair to say he was probably given a naive ride. He came from far too far back, had plenty to do and, and finished very well, but the, the winner had had gone. Um, and then previously at, at Aintree at the end of last season, again, over two and a half miles that time, again, finished a great effect. Um, and just looks to me like three miles is going to a allow Isabel Williams to to ride a bit more of a race, take her time, get herself a position. Um, but he just looks like he's relishing this extra step up in trip on good ground, which a lot of these might not fancy. He's got good form on good ground. He's run over three miles previously with Jamie Snowden, but I think it's fair to say that he's probably an improved horse for moving to to Evan Williams. Um, and at twenty one to one with SBK, I just thought he was a big price for a horse that looks like he'll improve for. For going up in trip yeah i i couldn't agree with you more Shiraz. so he only went up a pound um for that run in in the welsh champion hurdle and it was good to see Gloria fortune who i did tip up uh, for the greatwood last last week he obviously had to defy a massive rise up in the weights he actually finished sixth and he ran a good race um in what was a very competitive handicap as it always is so that i think is an is an all right form line if anything and as you say 21 to 1 a nice price. Tom, it's uh, it's a fascinating. We've had last week at Cheltenham, we had the Irish coming over as always and stealing all our winners. Um, Emmett Mullins comes here with uh, another Paul Byrne, uh, a horse in the right place, right time. And um, also Charles Burns as a, as a runner. He, he was a, he was a winner at Cheltenham last week. And, you know, you've got to keep these horses prevalent in your mind when you're looking through these races, but they have been given a bit of a tough time by the UK handicapper. How do you assess the Irish horse is looking at this race? Well, my selection actually is an Irish horse, um, but mainly mainly due to the fact that the last five years, you've needed a proper stare to win this race. The last five winners are Cruz Linen, Sam Spinner, Paisley Park, Stony Mountain, who again runs here, um, and Main Fact, all of whom get far beyond three miles. This year, with the decent ground um, expected at Haydock, I don't think you necessarily need that stamina um, assured on their side. And right place, right time, who is the selection? I only stepped up to three miles for the first time when last seen. But he bolted up that day. I think there's so much improvement to come from him. We know how shrewd Emmett Mullins is. But whenever he sends a horse over here, he virtually wins. The shunter last year was phenomenal um, in these colours before being bought by J.P. McManus. Um, Kate Gentleman as well, one at Kempton. I, I just think Emmett Mullins has an, a brilliant idea of how to plan his horses and how to plan where to put them. And right place, right time, who hasn't yet run over hurdles, which I think is crucial here um, for Emmett Mullins. He's had three starts for the new trainer and run over fences all three times. Last time out was a clear career best for Emmett Mullins. Um, but if you look back to his hurdle form for his previous connections, he wasn't beaten far by the bosses, Oscar, um, on one start. Also by Florian, Port Florian Porter as well, who won the staying hurdle. So he has good back form over hurdles. He's now dropped a really lenient hurdling mark of 108. And it looks like Emmett Mullins and Paul Byrne have tried to keep that mark for a race like this. And I think with a step up in trip, um, the drop, the reverting back to the hurdles and off a nice weight of just 10 stone too. He has to be the horse to play in here. Now, because he's trained by Emmett Mullins, you're not going to get a massive price. Um, I think, what was he, 11 to 2, Jess, or something like that. I still think that's value because of just the improvement you're going to get from him. Stony Mountain is the horse that I think is the biggest danger because he bounced right back to form for Jamie Snowden last time. Um, he'll be the one that stays on powerfully after the last, but right place, right, right time might have already gone by then. 
Yeah, you're right. He is 11 to 2. And I've just noticed a, a very eye-catching jockey booking. Harry Kimber is riding right place, right time. This conditional taking seven pounds off. He's usually uh, well associated with Colin Tizard. Um, this will be, I'd imagine, his first ride for Emmett Mullins and taking another extra seven pounds off. That give you, is, is, what do you make of that jockey booking? Yeah, first ride, definitely the first ride for Emmett Mullins. Um, interesting jockey booking. I wouldn't have guessed it, um, but look, it's got to be seen as a positive. They're getting seven pounds off. Harry Kimber's very capable in the saddle. Um, you wouldn't ride for Colin Tizard as much as he does if he wasn't capable in the saddle. Um, look, I, I think everything is there for right place, right time, and hopefully he performs. Yeah, interesting that um, look, the, this partnership responsible for the shunter who just came and embarrassed us and all of our handicaps last year. So it got to be respected. For me, um, I like at 10 to 1 flight deck who had the cheap pieces fitted for the first time last time when he won over three miles on good ground at Weatherby for the John Joe O'Neill team. John Joe O'Neill Jr. is having his first rides back. I think it's today after um, injury. And this is his only ride, I think it looked to be, on Saturday. And he only went up three pounds for that win because he was only just doing enough. He's one of those tricky J.P. McManus horses to, to assess. And I think at 10 to 1, um, considering that he is proven at this trip, he is a, he's a solid candidate. So that is the stairs handicap hurdle, uh, where there's plenty of good value around. Um, and we're building up now to the Betfair Chase, the, the standout race of the weekend, the, the first open grade one event um, over fences. And as I was saying, unseasonably dry weather, usually run in a slog. Um, but the the brilliant Bristol demise coming back to try and win this race yet again, absolutely adores it around Haydock. It really is his gold cup where as many of these horses are probably coming in here with uh, a long-term targets. Although our Plutard currently six to four second in this is gold cup. They have had this in their mindset for a while. They've definitely, I feel like all summer we've sort of known that this is where he's going to start his season out uh, waiting patiently with a new yard um, behind him Christian Williams he's six to one as well as next destination who's been a bit of a revelation last year will he turn into a gold cup horse Royal Pagai 10 to 1 13 to 1 and Pearl Aura who's had a wind up uh, Chatham Street Lad is 34 to 1 as is Clondor Castle Ross I'll come to you here first a Plutard heads the field Rachel Blackmore on board question is, will he be fine-tuned for this race? We know what his long-term target is, whereas Bristol Demai, this is his Gold Cup, as I said. How do you feel or how do you think six to four is about a horse that might have longer season aspirations in place? Yeah, I, th I think at six to four, uh, about a horse that's been beaten odds on on its last two seasonal reappearances, uh, in a, in a race that will not be their gold cup. I think you've got to take him on. I mean, the, the one thing I would say is I think this uh, line that Henry de Bromheads are all needing a run first time is, is overplayed and isn't strictly true. I mean, I think Milena Indo is a, a fairly gross horse and was always going to need a first run. I think if you're talking about put the kettle on and you're saying that that was her needing a run, I, I couldn't disagree more. Uh, you know, her, her last furlong was her best furlong. I think she just probably got outpaced last last week. So I wouldn't put too much weight on on Henry de Bromhead needing the needing a run. He's had four first time out uh, winners this this month. That said, Aplutard has looked to need his first run. 
not necessarily in fitness, but watching his runs back, his seasonal reappearances back, his jumping can be a bit scrappy. And I think that's going to be the one thing that's going to be very well examined by by Bristol Demai, possibly Royal Pagai. Uh, he's he's going to have to jump. And and I would take him on on, on that basis alone, really. Um, Bristol Demai, you have to decide whether he loves Haydock or whether he loves heavy ground. Uh, and a lot of the time, the two have come together. But But for me... The soft, heavy ground is absolutely crucial to him. And much as I love a front-running grey, bold jumping front-running grey, uh, I think you'd have to say he looks up against it here. Um, given there's going to be lots of pace, Royal Pagai, Bristol Demai, next destination, um, I think they could be run very quickly. Uh, and the, the horse I like, and uh, his move jars, is waiting patiently with Christian Williams. Um, his King George run is fascinating. I watched it back a couple of times last night. Turning in, you would say he's shaping like a horse that doesn't stay three miles. And 20 yards from the line, you'd say he's shaping like a horse that needs an extra couple of furlongs. Um, he did look awkward in his head carriage in that race. He sort of hung hung his head to the left and he looked fairly awkward to manoeuvre. Um, and we've seen last week with with Laylor moving from uh, Haley Wallacott to to, to Paul Nichols, sometimes it's a fresh set of eyes in that Paul Nichols, the first thing he did with that horse was was give Layla a wind up. The previous yard had obviously not seen it fit to do that. Um, I'm not saying there is anything wrong with waiting patiently or there was anything wrong with waiting patiently, but it would just be interesting that a, a fresh set of eyes on a horse they've not seen before, whether they found a, a, a wrinkle that they can iron out because um, to me, he didn't look comfortable at all times at, at Kempton. Um, the word out of Christian Williams' yard this week has been very positive, I thought. Um, you know, he works like a horse, befitting of his mark, I thought was quite a strong line. Um, they have definitely had him away for, for a gallop. Um, that would be the one concern, perhaps, out of this yard, that they, they do sometimes need their first run. I think they see this very much as their Gold Cup. They're a very ambitious yard that want to to dine at the top table. They, they've spent some good money this week, actually, at, at the Cheltenham sales and then across at Arcana. They're a yard on the up. Um, I think the race will be run to suit. There'll be plenty of pace. And I just think that uh, he's possibly better than he's, than he's shown before. Yeah, interesting. As you say, Kristen Williams, who's at that um, Newbury Gallop day and was talking about how he wants to be dining at the top table, going to be punchy. They've had no seemingly issues with him since he's uh, been in training with them at their amazing setup, working on the water, um, you know, just new perspective. And as you say, Layla had that new, um, new train, new training, and he ran a really good race last week. So a very curious and interesting horse who's clearly massively talented and at six to one, um, he, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's not a, a bad price. Tom, how did you work out this race? Cause I thought that, you know, as, as Ross was saying, Bristol Demai likes to go on, um, and looking back at Aplutard and how he ran in the Savills, Kenboy was obviously idling out in front and just couldn't hold him. And Aplutard was doing so much late running late on. If Bristol Demai doesn't idle and keeps up that momentum, then he might just be able to keep a Plutard at bay, which Ken Boy couldn't do. Um, but, you know, the ground is a bit of a, is a, bit of a worry. How, where do you feel listening to Ross and, and how, how you come down on this race? 
I completely agree with Ross about the fact that I think Bristol to mine needs heavy ground. Um, yes, he probably loves Haydock as well, but I think the ground's more crucial to him. Uh, this is obviously his number one target for the season. He's won it three times, finished second um, to loss in translation as well. If he wins again for the fourth time, then he becomes just the second horse to win the Betfair Chase on four occasions, as well as Corto Star. They'll probably be naming this the Bristol to my Betfair Chase soon. Um, but look, I, I've got to be opposing him. I, I don't really like the ground for him. Um, and he's never really a horse. Look, obviously, you've got to love a multiple grade one winner, but he's never a horse that I've I've really just, I don't know, have a passion for that. I really want to back Bristol Demar. I really love watching him race. He seems to win these kind of slog races that just fall apart. Um, and I, I think in here, in this Betfair chase, you've got a couple of horses that not only are up and coming, the likes of Aplutard, Royal Pagai, Imperial Aura, if he bounces back, but you've also got Waiting Patiently, who Ross has obviously talked about in great detail, but it's interesting for Christian Williams. I th- I'm probably going to play Aplutard. Now, I know he's a short price favourite, um, but I think he's the most likely winner of the race, and that's what people want to hear. They want to hear who's going to win. Um, I, I think Royal Pagai is probably the biggest danger, just based on last year's two runs at Haydock. He smashed Espoir de Rome. Um, who then would look like he was going to put up to Chantry House at entry in the grade one, um, and then won the Peter Marsh by uh, double-digit winning margin. I think he, he's a very interesting performer, um, if the ground's okay for him. But Apolutard finished second in the Gold Cup to Manella Indo. I thought he was probably worth uh, like the best horse in that race, maybe. He made a mistake two out. I know it's an unpopular opinion. Um, and to be fair, on the run-in, he wasn't making up the ground on Manella Indo. I thought he was going to. But just to finish so close to a, a real brilliant horse in Manila window and clear of the rest of the field, Album Photo back in third. That was a stellar performance. He's only a seven-year-old. He's improving for every run. Yes, his reappearances, um, form figures read 2-2-2, which isn't um, exactly promising, especially considering they were all at short prices. But I think they're going to be targeting this race as an early season target, then aim towards Cheltenham. Um, I just think everything lines up for Aplutard. I think he's the most likely winner of the race. He's a top-rated horse. There isn't much not to like, apart from that recent uh, reappearance record. Um, even at 6-4, I think I'll play him. Maybe in a forecast with Royal Pagai. Yeah, not bad, that 6-4, you think, if you about a, a, a Gold Cup runner-up, really. And we haven't had a, a, a race with Gold Cup standard horses in this in, since, I suppose, Native River um, a good few years ago, um, who Bristol Demai did beat. And I'm just... I'm going to have to play it. I'm going to take you both on with Bristol Demai. I think you're making too much of an issue of the ground. He's won on this, on this ground before. I think heavy ground has just seen him to a very good effect, um, but it's not necessarily the undoing of him to have good to soft ground. Tristan Davis form, really good. Heard Daryl Jacob waxing lyrical about how well he is and considering he is 10, um, you know, he's not getting any younger. This is probably, um, as I said, the race that they know and, and believe is, is, where they can get the best out of him. So they probably trained him to the T for this. So 72 for Bristol Demite for me. And um, okay, guys, look, we've come to um, the conclusion of the podcast, gone through these races, the four key races um, with a fine tooth comb, some unusual, unusual horses to really sort of work out and see how it all pan out. I'm fascinated to see what happens come Saturday. As we always do, I'm going to request a nap um, and um, and uh, and also an each way bet if there is one. Obviously, uh, James Norman did so well last week. Ross Miller, you've had your days in the sun with the with these, so I'm coming back to you again and hoping that you've got um, some some beauties for us. So uh, my nap is uh, in the 115 at Haydock, uh, the Donald McCain trained Navajo Pass. 
um, who showed really good form the early part of last season, um, caused a bit of an upset uh, in the graded race at the start of the season uh, and hasn't been seen for a while. He's had a wind up. He's dropped back to a mark that I think looks very generous. Theo Gillard takes another £5 off and I, I thought he had outstanding credentials in the 115. And then for my next best each way, um, I, I'm pretty, pretty sweet on Donovan um, for the Evan Williams yard in the 225 at Haydock. In Navajo Pass is 11 to 2. He actually had an entry in the uh, Ascot hurdle. So they're obviously thinking graded race for him. If not, but they've gone elected for the handicap and 11 to 2 chance. And Don Levant, who's 21 to 1. And to Tom. No each way play this week, Jess, um, mainly because I'm not an each way punter. Uh, but, but then again, these races aren't really shaping to me like each way plays. The nap, however, is definitely the soil. I'm going to take a chance on Philip Hobbs' seven-time grade one winner in the 205 at Ascot. I think he can bounce back. Tom O'Brien's a good jockey booker and the race should pan out perfectly for him. Brilliant. Um, thank you to Tom. I will agree my nap is Deffy Desoy as well. Um, very hopeful that the, uh, the the team can work the Oracle with him. And um, for an each way play, 10 to 1 about flight deck in the Stayers handicap hurdle at Haydock. Okay, we have gone through all the races and we have had a good old look at, at what we hope we can find everyone for this Saturday racing at Ascot and at Haydock. So Thank you to Tom and to Ross and make sure to subscribe, to like and join us again next week. We'll be looking ahead to the Winter Carnival at Newbury uh, where there'll be the Labricks Trophy and some lot of great action as always. Uh, we're hoping probably a bit more rain so we can get some bigger fields as well. So best of luck for the weekend. Thanks to the guys and we'll see you next week. 